Oh, I got an election hack. Yeah, election hack. Like after the election. Like this is for next time. Don't pay attention to any of the election hype. Yeah. You did a really good job at that. I watched zero debates. I, I did, did not. I did see some of the recap clips from the mm-hmm. first debate and after that I was like, I don't need to see any of this. Mm-hmm. I it and two, election night, I had other plans. I did not pay attention. I sent you one text asking you how it was going. Mm-hmm. Um and, and then and I believe my response, if I can recall, was a dumpster fire. But no, that really wasn't it. That but, wasn't. But it was something akin to not well. Yeah. Or 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 it's a nail biter. Yeah, nail biter. Like and when I look back at the Twitter thread and I look back at like the conversations that people had when I wasn't listening, there's been this roller coaster ride for everybody on every side. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't have to do that. But I get to check in when I want. It's just so much. It's freeing people. Yeah, my, my my listen, I as a person who went the other direction, um, take Rodney's advice, like in future elections, take Rodney's advice, like save this episode to your phone, to your computer. And think, oh, I know someone gave me some good advice one time. Listen, it it worked for him, and it would have worked for me, but I chose a different lifestyle. Just check in. We even had a friend that gave herself a time limit, like just an hour of media mm-hmm. coverage. For me, that's too much. But if you can do it, you can do it. Just just stick to it. Do it. Just check in. Get the. Da- I look at the map on um on Bing or on the websites. I look at the map and I'm like, okay, I got an idea, and I'm out. I'm in it. I'm out. You know. Welcome back to the More in Common podcast. I am one of your hosts, Keith, and I'm the other host, Rodney. What's happening? And uh, today is Thanksgiving. Hey. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We decided to release an episode today. I hope maybe it's an opportunity to take a break, relax, sit with that tryptophan. And what I really want to say is, as we seek to anchor humanity in compassionate conversation, I really hope that these conversations are a calm place as you engage in some sort of social event with your family today because of COVID, where you can be peaceful and maintain connection um, with your family as things are fairly contentious right now. And to that point, real quick, since it is Thanksgiving, I just wanted to throw out there, look, politics may come up around your Thanksgiving table. I don't know if you're doing a Zoom Thanksgiving or you're in person, whatever it may be. Don't be afraid to, to walk away from a conversation. Uh, you know, our relationships are more important than much of this stuff at the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of our lives. Like, are we really going to be still arguing about this political climate? Maybe I, I, I personally hope not to be. Um, so yeah, just, just take that as something into your Thanksgiving holiday, but we have an amazing episode today. Keith, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? And before we get into our, our conversation with Megan Nadine, let me tell you about where to find us more that is pod.com. You can find everything there. And you know what? Here's the thing. We are all about anchoring humanity and compassionate conversation. And if compassionate conversation and talking about the things that we talk about and getting to know people matters to you, give us a like, give us a comment, and share it with somebody else who you might think would enjoy it. We really, really appreciate it. And we, we appreciate all the support. Now, today we are with Megan Nadine. 
who we talk about fear with. We talk about her visit to Cambodia. We talk about her mom and ego. We talk about a lot of things. Like, Rodney, what is one big thing that you took away from this conversation? Uh, my takeaway is that when we got approached about interviewing Megan, I was like, oh, a singer, like, cool, I guess. But immediately as I started looking into her and her mission, I, I was very much intrigued uh, because she cares about mental well, mental wellness, mental health. She sings about it. She sings from a place of maybe not such uh, mental wellness at the moment when she's coming up with a song. And she's she's really vulnerable and sharing a lot of pieces she's just super consistent with the thing that she states as her mission and just her energy was very um warm and welcoming yeah. and it was just a fun conversation i really have enjoyed getting to know her and look forward to her blowing up because her voice is dope her voice is raw it's, it's good stuff and uh straight i think you're gonna enjoy this I think so too. So we'll let you to it. Lord on knows the show. you wear a mask to cover up all your scars. Little do you know they see bright through just like And I, I had written, um, and it just kind of came out, but it was like if we would put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Or imagine what it would be like to walk in someone else's shoes for a minute, a moment, a day, a week. I feel like we would be more understanding and the world would be a completely different place. You know, even the people that we don't see eye to eye with, why do they feel that way? Why, what made them get to that point? What? who in their life or what situation or circumstance got them to thinking the way they did because we're all a product of our environment whether we like to believe it or not now may i add like people can be in circumstances and situations that maybe aren't the best and they're still a product of their environment whether they decide to thrive from it or kind of sit in it and just continue to follow in the, the things that they've been taught. But at the end of the day, we're a product of our environment. It's just about how we decide to use the tools that we give. Little do you know. All right, we're going to take a little break here. I want to tell you about something pretty amazing that we stumbled upon. A little ways back, we interviewed this amazing dude, Kwame Bowen, and he shared with me after the episode that his mother is a poet. And what's awesome about that is that he has all of her writings and all her poems, but what he doesn't have is her reading them. That inspired Keith and I to then start recording videos for our daughters. And as we started recording those videos, we started running into the challenges, the challenges of where are we going to send them to our daughters? How are we going to get them to them? Where are we going to save them? Is it going to be Google Drive? Is it going to be OneDrive? And then along came GiftPod. It's an audio memory that you can record and give as a private podcast. What they're going to do is edit, add music, and produce the audio that you provide them into a professional podcast that you can share with your family members for any purpose. We use it for our daughters in the future. All right, so check it out. In the write-up for this podcast, you're going to see a link to GiftPod. If you use promo code MIC10, you're going to get a discount. And uh, leave some amazing memories for your friends, family, loved ones, maybe for yourself. Why, why don't you time capsule this for yourself? I don't know. So check them out. 
giveagiftpod.com. MIC 10 promo And you're your own worst enemy. Don't just see the irony. Go figure. Go figure. You see that time can't heal a thing, but honey, time's not the one to blame. Go figure. Welcome back to the More in Common podcast, now YouTube channel. Um, I'm your co host, Keith with my man Rod, and today we are with Megan Nadine. Megan is a singer-songwriter born and raised in Thunder Bay, Canada, with a truly identifiable voice, both captivating and inspiring. Her mission, you ask, is to be an honest and authentic voice to those in need, to provide hope through altruistic platforms, which she knows can and will change lives. While Megan's voice or vocal prowess and ability to emote is often interpreted as seasoned professional, many are actually surprised to learn that she is an emerging artist and she only began her musical journey in 2017. As a kid, though, she looked for any excuse to perform her songs for her friends and family at any chance she could get. And as much as Megan has loved music in her life, she prioritized early getting her university education, continuing to use the art of writing and singing to express herself on a more personal level. And while pursuing her teaching degree, Megan decided to take a trip to Cambodia and volunteer teaching English for the organization New Hope. And now that she is investing all her energy to pursue what she loves, she has released her debut album, This Was Then. And to learn more about Megan with the latest news and updates and hear her music, you can go to MeganNadine.com. You can check her out on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Twitter. Welcome to the show, Megan. What up? Thank you for having me. That was quite the intro. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you know, you give me the words. I try to read them and I stumbled today. Boy, my, my mouth is just not working for me. I don't know why. I don't know if I will ever get past what it's like getting like the things that you've done read back to me. Like it's a really weird feeling. Do you have that? Like it's it's weird and it's kind of humbling. What's it like for you? I mean, when you were, when you were reading the first part, I didn't write it. Like I would mm. never say I can and know <laughs> that I would do these things. Like, so kind of funny listening to him like, oh gosh. <laughs> but also very endearing because I had someone write it about me. Mm. So I mean, it's sweet. But yeah, it felt a little awkward. <laughs> I love it. It's good. Sounds it's like good. You're, you're, you're like me because like for it, it's better if somebody else writes it for me because I'll leave all kinds of stuff out. You need some like an outside observer to give it to me. Oh yeah, I can. So that would normally um, not be our first question, but it's a good first question nonetheless. But on to the first question, and this one I'm really excited about, especially after our activation session, and you know a lot of a lot of awesome insights into the where this conversation is is going to go, um, and it starts with your blog. The first blog that you wrote, Don't Feed Your Fears. Let's talk about fear. Um, it's a topic we often don't give enough time to. We may talk about it, but we don't give enough time to it. And my first question is, how does, so it's something you've had to overcome. How does fear manifest for you in your life? 
Uh, fear manifests when it comes to when I start to worry about what other people think about me. Um, when I worry about how other people will perceive me or if they'll like what I'm doing, um, especially when just sharing my music, that's when a lot of fears started coming to the surface for me. And, you know, fears that I had kind of avoided for a really long time. I just thought, well, whatever, I won't share my music. I'll write it for myself. So definitely manifests when I cared a little too much about what other people think. Mm. And that's human nature. Um, but, and also we, I think it, it manifests for me just in my own head, like even whether it's singing in front of someone or even if, like I have a fear of heights, it's just kind of playing out a scenario in your head and making things up, you know, like jumping off a third story or not third story. Who am I kidding? Like a first story. <laughs> diving oh, board. Real heights, right? You know, you're like, oh gosh, just, just you're not going to die. There's water underneath you, but you get in your own head and you start to think of all the things that'll go wrong. And so I think just mentally, um, I manifest a lot of the fear myself. How do you How, feel it? I. That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot, Megan. A lot. Mm -hmm. so you guys are partners. <laughs> Some would say twin flames. How do I feel it? I feel it in my gut, in my chest. Like, how does it feel physically? Is what exactly, yeah. Yeah, in my gut, in my chest, um, my breathing gets weird. Sometimes, actually, um, my hands will get tingly, my feet will get tingly, just like anxiety stuff. Mm except that'll come up with anxiety i feel a lot of that um but yeah and then I think what a lot of people feel is what I feel. when you're when you're feeling that like so, so now you're more aware of it but and and you're you're pushing into your passion how like how has it stopped you in the past and then does it still stop you or, or like how do you get past it because fear, that feeling, those feelings that you get when you do something that scares you is so uncomfortable. I think we just avoid doing things that make us like bring fear. And so in the past, I would just avoid doing those things. And I'm thankful that I had people in my life in my corner that encouraged me to do the things that scared me and kind of lifted me up so that even when I was feeling those things, you know, you have, I'm grateful that I had people that, you know, push me forward and not push me, encourage me to move forward. Um, but I think in the past, I just avoided it. Just like people, I, I mean, I think with anything, like even, you know, the mother of three that's in her 40s that, you know, talks herself out of all the reasons why, like, out of going to school and all the reasons why she can't go back to school and stuff like that. So then she just never goes stuff like that, you know, and then now um, how I get through it is I just think about where I want to go and what I want to do and what I have planned for myself and just seeing all the amazing things that have come to light. All Every time I've stepped into my fear and did something that made me feel uncomfortable, it helped me grow. And so now when I get a, a little bit nervous or afraid, 
I realize it's really just the universe presenting me with an opportunity to grow. And um, then when you come on the other side of it and you feel a lot more comfortable, even with like interviews and stuff like that, at first I'll get really nervous about it. And the more you do it, the more you get a little more comfortable. Um, and on top of that, I had a friend that once uh, said to me, sometimes we confuse the feelings of being nervous and fearful with being excited. And so when, you know, we get, when we start to feel nervous before we do something, if we just switch that, that mentality and say, you know what, no, I'm not nervous, I'm excited. Like I've waited to perform for how long and I have all these, like I have people here that want to see me and want to hear my music and I have, I'm excited. I'm not nervous and just like speaking it kind of helps you change your mindset. If that makes sense. Mm. I wanted, so I was thinking about this the other day because a friend did something that he was afraid of and I was like, man, you're brave. And I feel like the, I think not feel, I think that fear is to kind of, kind of to Keith's question originally, fear is the unsung hero in bravery and courage because I, and I say that because I hear a lot of people say like, don't be afraid. Don't. Um, and I think, I think the essence of what they're trying to say is like, don't listen to your fear and, 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 and fight it. Um, but the way I have always internalized it until very recently was shame for having fear, especially as a man, like I, I, sh I shouldn't be afraid. Cause that's what people say. Like don't have fear. And I think what, but the, the real deal is like, there's no courage without fear you're not overcoming anything so you're not so I it's like, like it's so now i like embrace it i'm like oh cool i feel i feel that in my gut that's good that means i'm getting some input maybe i should go try something maybe it's not always right uh i had someone i've been working with a life coach re recently because i'm really trying to work towards all these different goals and things and the only thing that helps i'm for and so uh, she said to me, they say that when we feel fear, it means we're onto something good. And it's our ego or like what she likes to call like the, the dark wolf or like the black wolf coming in to psych us out because we're onto something really good. And so we should be excited when we feel fear because like you said, it means that you're like on the break. How did... So so you said you had some people in your corner talking to you. It sounds like fear held you back for a while. And was there a moment like what, what was it look, what did that look like for you when you said, okay, I'm actually finally listening to somebody or I'm finally hearing what they're saying and I'm just going to go for it. I mean, where you are today, it's certainly probably very different than that moment. And I think that moment that might be uh, a lot of different moments over time that finally reach that point where you're just like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go for it. I'm still terrified, but I'm still going to go for it. What was that like for you? And how did you get there? I would have to say mm -hmm. my experience in Cambodia is what totally set me for that. I had so many people in my ear that were like being very encouraging. And then I also had people that were kind of projecting their fears onto me. And 
I had all these reasons that I didn't want to go or I couldn't go. And my grandfather was um, in the hospital all the time, so I didn't want to be overseas if anything had happened. It was really crazy because a week or two before I would have been set to go, he ended up passing away. And so I bought a plane ticket and I just decided to go really last minute. And I was so terrified that I, I chopped my hair off. I had really bleach blonde hair. I chopped it off. I like went and got all these very, very um, culturally appropriate clothes. I did whatever I could because people made me think that I would die down there, actually. And I was so afraid flying, not of flying, of just what was waiting for me. Um, I actually made lunch dates with all my family and friends in case I didn't come back. I didn't tell them that. But I went and, you know, my grandfather, who's like the sweetest man in the world, he's a big history buff. And there's been a lot of things that have happened in Cambodia in the past. And so he was really worried and he called my mom so upset. And for him to be upset, you know, someone who's so like positive and kind, and I'd never seen him get upset like that or worked up about anything. I was like, okay, I should be afraid. And so I ended up, um, um, but I was so afraid and I went and it was honestly one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And that is when my music journey began. I'd seen and worked with these amazing children and I had planned, like, I think it was about three weeks in, I thought, okay, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to travel to developing countries and I want to help them, you know, find the tools that they need and be an advocate. Like a lot of the children had lice down there and I had been there for three weeks and they hadn't received anything that they needed to take care of it. And I sent an email and I started advocating. So I was very frustrated and they got everything they needed within a day or two. So I noticed that my voice was making a change and I really wanted to to do that. And then my last week there, I was so comfortable. I felt like I was at home with this in this children's home and I was doing laundry with the children and well, with a couple of the girls and I started singing and they loved it. And then it became a thing where they'd ask me to sing to them every day from that point on. And I told my mom about it and then she encouraged me to sing in front of people. And what made me want to push through the fear is seeing how I had experienced something that was more than I ever imagined. This trip literally changed my life and changed me as a person. And so just jumping into that fear and then, you know, seeing how if I would have, you know, like, because I saw all the good that came from that, I kind of made a deal with the universe. Like, okay, if you provide me with the opportunities to make change on a grand level, then I will push through my fears. Because if I create a platform that's big enough, you know, I know well enough because I have certain people, artists and creatives that I follow um, and that I support what they do. Like Kristen Bell, I love her. She's amazing. She's such an amazing voice and advocate. And whenever she's doing something, I want to support that. I want to see what she's talking about and bringing light to. So I thought, you know, if I could do something like that, where, you know, people, I draw people in with my music and my writing, but then they actually 
care about what I'm doing as a person, then we can work together as a team. And so, yeah, sorry, that was a really long winded answer. And Cambodia no, is what did it for me. Uh, for sure. Was, I but like when you tell helpful. that story, it, you, like you can feel, you just feel it. Um, yeah. And so you came back like help like i want to i want to understand the journey so you came back how long were you there and then what changed like what 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 changed functionally in your life and you were just like okay here's what here's what i'm doing i was there for one month and i had never been like away from my family and friends for that long i'd never I was living with missionaries and I am not a religious person by any means. They were, which I'm nothing against. Like everyone has their thing. Um, but I learned a lot from them and I just learned a lot about myself outside of who I am with our friend and with my friends and my family. Um, just who I was as an individual standing alone in a new environment with new people and how do they see me outside of what, you know, I'm, I've created for myself back at home. And I didn't really, I guess, look at it like that at the time. It was just like, I was kind of existing and in the moment and grateful. And, and when I come back, I just realized how blessed I was and how, the importance of the little things and you know when you see two 16 year old boys playing with a balloon and having like the time of their lives if you handed a balloon to someone in like western society two 16 year olds and said play with this they probably look at you like you have five heads and so it just really showed me perspective and and it empowered me and it just i had de definitely developed a greater sense of self on that trip um, and I felt empowered and I wanted to continue to project that sense of self that I had discovered back at home. A, a question early in the beginning of that answer, you said everyone has their thing as you're explaining the missionaries and how you just have different views. Uh, right now in the world, it yeah. seems like people can't get to that. Is that a is that a thing that you have always thought, or was that given to you? Like, how how do you how did you get there, and what do you think about it? Um, my mom, my mom is an incredible human being, and I'm not being biased. If anyone met her, they would they know like she really is. She has this energy and this essence to her, and even growing up, whenever I'd complain about something or someone, she'd say, well, you never really know what they're going through. You never really know why, like if they had a bad day or, and even now, sometimes I'll call her to vent and <laughs> sometimes I just have to be like, can you just listen? Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't, I don't want need to this. the yeah. other side right now. You know? <laughs> but sometimes you just want to yeah. sit and like have this like pity party. But I think about how young I was when she started doing that and how long it really took to click. Like things take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And I'm so thankful she did that because it's definitely made for, you know, a more, I feel like I just, it makes me very empathetic 
and it makes me more understanding. And I think that everyone, I actually, so I started doing morning pages and I, I had written, um, and it just kind of came out, but it was like, if we would put ourselves in someone else's shoes or imagine what it would be like to walk in someone else's shoes for a minute, a moment, a day, a week, I feel like we would be more understanding and the world would be a completely different place. You know, even the people that Preach. we don't see eye to eye with, why do they feel that way? Why, what made them get to that point? What, who in their life or what situation or circumstance got them to thinking the way they did? Because we're all a product of our environment, whether we like to believe it or not. Now, may I add, like people can be in circumstances and situations that maybe aren't the best and they're still a product of their environment, whether they decide to thrive from it or kind of sit in it and just continue to follow in the, the things that they've been taught. But at the end of the day, we're a product of our environment. It's just about how we decide to use the tools. That we get. And look, the dog agrees. <laughs> dog, dogs all about dog that. really there agrees. There's an interesting, like that, that framework. Um, like the first thing that now I want to come back to hope, it because hope I, would like to submit. And I would also like to submit that we take what that answer and we make it the intro to our podcast. Cause that basically explained what we're trying to get yeah, people to see in so many ways. Yes. Like that is all about more in common. Right. Uh -huh. Cause, and it, and it ties back to this idea of ego. Um, we have a, uh, a, a, three-way text chat that we have with another um guy that it's basically this emotional space for the three of us to just share some things and open up and ego comes up a lot this week so i love that you brought it up and i think about everything that you said and putting yourself in someone else's shoes seeing their lived experience understanding where they come from really knowing their environment is different than yours it is a breakdown of ego because we have to let go of the world that we live in in order to effectively do that mm -hmm. and to be able to shut off the ego is one of the hardest things that we can do in a moment let alone over time and it takes a whole yeah. bunch of moments to do it. And you said your life coach is helping you with it. And I'm curious, this is something that's come up in this, this chat is how we all perceive it just a little bit differently, even though it is, there's a common thing. How do you see your ego show up? How do you see it positively affect you? How do you see it negatively affect you? I'm all about multi-layer questions, so I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, how do I see my ego show up? I see my ego show up in moments of overthinking, um, in moments of I am, like, I have a perfectionist side to me. I always have, like, for every little thing, it's like a blessing and a curse, but I feel like it's a lot of, it comes from ego and not even just when it comes to what I do 
personally, but what I know other people will be looking at and kind of judging. Um, I feel like my ego will kind of come in and like talk me out of doing things or, you know, that's not good enough or, you know, it's, it's my ego coming in. I also think my ego comes in when I think that maybe I'm, I used to be someone who would think I was right all the time. I was so stubborn. My ego came in a lot and it, it's crazy to hear me say that out loud. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and stubbornness, it comes through in stubbornness, but you know, and pride, I think as well. Um, it's okay to be prideful, but as long as you don't let your ego coincide in the pride. And so I think that yeah. I wanted the reason I interrupt is because I really want to hear what you mean by that for our audience separating pride and ego and what okay. that looks like and what that means. So it's, it's, I get what you're saying, like super complex sentiment, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're allowed to be proud of like your accomplishments, your hard work, your family, your friends, you're allowed to be proud and feel good about the things that you've accomplished and feel good about who you are as a person, but you don't have to always, share all those little moments yes you could share it's just about coming from a place of love and coming from a place of genuinity and humility and realizing that you're you're you should be grateful for all those like proud moments and accomplishments instead of sitting in them in a braggadocious kind of way and just realizing like coming from a place of gratitude when you're being proud um and just realizing how you know how lucky you are to have those things that you're proud of and just coming from a place of humility and gratitude as opposed to, you know, yeah, this is me and this is what I have. And what do you have? Like, don't compare yourself. Just sit in the moment and be present and, and, and proud, but in a grateful sense. Mm. Mm. I like that. I hear that it's, it's that sentiment that says, I'm proud of what I've done because and what I have because I'm grateful for the the things that have helped me get there for the accomplishments that I may have been made. And I'm just, I'm here and I'm, I'm proud of it. Not I identify ego as those things. Cause as soon as you identify as those things, it becomes fragile. Yeah, that's actually exactly <laughs> ego. There's so much an ego. I don't even know. Like it's, a. Um... I could probably talk about ego for a week straight and then mm -hmm. have decided nothing. Uh, I think it's terribly complex and, and my understanding of it is like this. So I, I'm just listening and taking in. Um, I think that uh, uh, kind of shifting another thing you said in that response was it being about the little things. And that's twice you've said it now, or at least to us, you said it in the preamble. Uh, it, like, I think that was actually your life hack was like, take notice of the little things. Did I get yeah. that right? Still trap? Yeah. 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 No notes for you today. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, so I, the, what does that mean for you? Like take notice of the little things and why is it important to you? Well, when it comes to just, what does it mean for me is just 
I think we have so much more to be grateful for than we acknowledge most of the time. And I'm thankful that I have people in my life that kind of encourage me to pay attention to the little things as well. And when we live in gratitude, it makes space for more amazing things to come in our life that, that aren't so little, you know? And it makes for pretty amazing days when you just pay attention to the small details. But a lot of people overlook them. And I have people in my life that because I'm constantly paying attention to the little things, and finding little signs and stuff um, that they start to do it. And it's, it just makes for a more exciting life, to be honest. Um, it makes me feel really happy and connected when I pay attention to the little things. And just going back to the, the idea that things are happening for us, for us as opposed <laughs> are happening for us. Are happening for us as opposed to against us, even does when it, they feel like they are. And paying have, attention so to the little things helps. For you, does it have a um a an effect on how you feel alive? Um does that make does that question make sense? Or should I add context? Yeah. Maybe add a little more context. I ask, you're like your aliveness. Is that a word? Sure. Uh, the way that I experienced the little things, like I think my parents were really good at helping me see little things. And there's been periods of my life where I was not so good at it. And then I restarted a very specific and intentional gratitude practice. But what I noticed through it is that in doing so, I am more thankful for the things that I do have. And I'm more, I feel more alive in a, not that I don't feel alive normally, but like I feel more alive. Like when I am doing whatever and a hummingbird flies by the window, and I'm like, oh, what up hummingbird? Like, that's dope. Like, and it's just like, oh, like I'm here right now. Uh, I just feel far more alive. Maybe present is the word I'm actually looking for, but that's what it like, that's, that's what it does for me. So I'm kind of wondering how you feel as a result of your noticing of the little things makes me feel connected to the universe it makes me feel like i'm on the right path that i'm exactly where i'm meant to be and connected would be the biggest word um yeah connected hmm. do you consider yourself an optimist Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's quite irritating to people, but I do see the positive even in the Keith. negative. What? Keith, are you an optimist? So I've trained my optimism. I actually do consider myself an optimist. There was this exercise we were introduced to a long time ago. I, I will tell you, I, I was a typical realist or pessimist disguised as a realist. When I say disguised as a realist, I say disguising himself as a realist simply by saying, no, nah, I'm, I'm just real about it all. And um, this, this exercise, so everything that you, you talk about and looking at the little things, Rodney is aware of it. It's called uh, Three Amazing Things. And the idea of it is each and every day, 
you look to see, you don't look for, you look to see three amazing things. And those amazing things are anything from I, the, my favorite one I ever saw was just like, I saw a dad holding their kid's hand, walking the street. And I was just like, that's amazing. And that was a moment when I started feeling this flip for me. And, and then you write My it favorite down. was, uh, I was in an airport. There was a little kid sitting like a toddler sitting in a stroller and I smiled and the kid smiled back and waved at me. I was just like, yo, that, that's amazing. And then, and, and, and then you write it down and you journal it for 21 days, 30 days, technically. And what it does for you psychologically, because pessimism is really just the outlook that everything's going to be bad, and optimism is the outlook that things are going to work out okay. It doesn't mean that you everything in between is great. It just means we're going to get through it, or it's not going to be the end of the world, right? And and there's a, a common one that I always try to help others with the frame of optimism is that more often than not, when we're driving down the road, we anchor so much on the bad drivers. And then we say, everybody's a bad driver. And then you go home and you're frustrated because of bad drivers. And then everybody is a bad driver. So the next time you get on the road, you're looking for the bad driver. And the reality is most everybody is coordinating and cooperating and just fine as a driver, but it's just automatic. We don't pay attention to it. As you said, we don't see it because we're so focused on the bad. So this exercise gets us to reframe what we focus on. So then all of a sudden you start seeing, yes, there's bad stuff, but there's also a lot of good stuff too. And you just get to choose what you focus on. And so the little things remind me of process and the day-to-day -day activity of just like the little wins that we have to experience and not the, just the big moments, because then we're prepared for those big moments when they do happen, but we're not missing out on that journey along the way. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. Does that, how does that affect your create creative process in writing and singing? Someone wasn't letting me in. And I remember being like, wow, like really, you're not going to let me in. And I stopped and I was like, wait, that's me. Like I've done that before, you know, where you're like, maybe you don't notice someone that's on the side and trying to come in or, and I meant to touch on this earlier. Um, we, whenever we see something that irritates us about somebody, it's usually the universe showing us a mirror of ourselves. Whenever we see something that we admire about somebody, it's usually the universe showing us a mirror of ourselves. Um, and once you start to realize that, you know, like who would do that kind of thing? Who would be that kind of person? Okay, someone who's feeling like this or that. Okay, and I've been there and I've done that. Or, you know, if someone's feeling, you feel like someone's being really stubborn. Okay, like you have to notice that you have those tendencies too. Like everybody does. And it's usually the universe mirroring exactly who you are to yourself. And once you swallow that pill, it also makes those moments a little more bearable. And, you know, like the heated conversation you have where you're deciding whether to respond or react. Okay, I've been on that side of things before too. And, you know, just realizing that we all, and this sounds like super cliche, but I am you and you are me. We're all mm -hmm. just like 
rejections of each other, the good and the bad moments, and then it makes it easy to be a little more understanding. More in common. Uh, I oh, wanna, God, I wanna that. agree with you, and thank you for the reminder on yeah. like the mirror, yeah. and add that for me, the more triggered I am by something somebody's doing, the more, like the more I tend to do it, is what I found. Like the more I'm triggered by somebody's stubbornness or by their type of response or whatever like the more i'm usually the one doing it it's it's like this like the mirror like amplifies well it's it's far more common to dislike people who are like you especially if you don't like yourself and Mm -hmm. you know you see it like my wife and i talk about it with our parents and our parents it's like oh i can't stand when they do that because i do that too and i don't like it um and it's kind of like the car when you buy a car all of a sudden you see all the cars right yes yeah everybody drives it all of a sudden i never saw it before but now i do um it's like just mine yeah um so i asked you about your creative process and i i do i'm curious especially when we get to the album but before we go there because you're in this place now like i kind of want to bring it back for a second yeah like specifically and you've talked about your mom and we talk about that journey from cambodia to actually singing and you made this comment in the pre-show taking care of yourself doesn't feel like feel like a chore i really want to tie this together because i'm really fascinated by this journey that you've gone on what was it like for you growing up sounds very positive but that prevented you from pushing through your fears and how has that all led to this space and what is that journey of just taking care of yourself and it not feeling like a chore so i it's a really open-ended question to take us on this journey but i'm really fascinated by how that that arc that that you've gone on to get where you are today so i mean growing up yeah it was positive but my parents they both worked full-time jobs i mean i my my dad he had has built every home that i've ever lived in with his own two hands and so he has flipped a lot of homes which means i moved a lot as a kid and so i think between kindergarten to to junior high, I'd gone to six, five or six different elementary schools or different schools, sorry. Mm. That's a lot. Mm. And so I was a new kid a lot. And um, I just think by that, that is where like a lot of my sense of, you know, just being friendly with anyone, like that was like my survival mode, like just be kind and friendly and make friends. <laughs> And so that as, as much as that has served, had served me, it also made me kind of like, like I never, when you have friends and people that you grow up with, that you kind of do things with, I have friends that I've grown up with, don't get me wrong, but 
it's not the same as, you know, going to a new school and are you going to try out for sports where you like think you might be bad or be judged because you're not friends with the people that you're playing with and you've never met them before. And, you know, it kind of makes you feel like a little more insecure. And um, I also had a, a vocal coach. I'd gone into vocal coaching when I was like nine or maybe even a little younger. And I sang a song that I wrote to her and she didn't even tell me it was good as like a teacher now and just knowing how you're supposed to respond and react with kids and children and youth. Um, she just said that we had to focus on technically how to sing before I sing in my own style. And so in my mind, wow. in that moment, I implanted that I suck at singing. I must suck because she didn't even say I was good. She didn't say my songwriting was good. She said I need to focus technically before I sing my own way, which means I suck. And I never sang in front of people. I never, like, it totally killed that for me. Um, I'm really thankful that, like, my parents are so encouraging and they both really created so much for themselves by pushing themselves and, and going out of their comfort zone and stuff. So, yeah, you know, I grew up, like, I'm very lucky for the upbringing I had because I have two very hardworking parents and... Um, because they believe in themselves to get where they are today. They show their belief in me to say like, you know what, you can get where you envision yourself going. We did it. You can too. And so I'm very lucky that I have that, but just looking back and I think like a lot of insecurity and I also grew up dancing, uh, competitively. So from the age of three till about 18, I had injured my knee, so I couldn't, I wasn't supposed to dance anymore and I did and then I injured it again and just growing up and being surrounded by um, girls that were like this big and I've always had like a curvier body and it's funny because I always thought I was fat and I always thought that I you know, like I hated my body and I look back at photos and I think everybody does that. And when I've talked about it with my girlfriends or, you know, just as we get older, we look back at photos and be like, oh my God, I thought I looked like this, but I actually like, what? Like, I, how did I, you know, we don't see ourselves like other people see us a lot no. of the time. And so just being insecure and I'd always feel like, you know, I turn to a lot of, you know, things like, I don't know, food for like comfort. And like, as I got into my college years, especially, like it was just like, honestly, student life is hard. And students do not get enough credit, especially when you're doing like your college, like your post-secondary ed, where you can't just fake it till you make it anymore. You either put in the work or you fail. It's not like high school. <clears throat> and I'm not taking away from high school, but it's just not the same at all. And so, you know, you are going through the motions and you sit in class and, and you, I did my professional year and it was two years condensed into one. And we had so many classes and I literally didn't have time to exercise. I literally did not. And I mean, unless I just didn't sleep, but even then I wasn't sleeping to get my work done. You know, it was just crazy. And so I feel like I just wasn't in that healthy mindset and I didn't love myself. And I'm thankful that I had people, like I was confident, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I'd have moments of insecurity and where I'd feel like, 
oh my god i feel fat today or whatever like that but that, those were like days and moments i was also very like lucky that i'm surrounded by empowering women and i love my body for what it was and stuff like that but when you feel insecure in yourself and you look at yourself a certain way you fear that other people will see what you're seeing and it keeps you from doing things and putting yourself in the spotlight or from i don't know just doing certain things and when you have people in your life as well you keep company that view themselves negatively and i actually realized this i'd gone on this trip with a few of my girlfriends that i had have been friends with forever and they all kept calling themselves fat the whole weekend and they, these girls were all very fit very like you know it's just that they had this society is put up norms in our head and like ideals of beauty and cambodia showed me that as well actually um but i i was just so i actually got to the point i said you know calling yourselves fat doesn't make yourselves any skinnier and when you call yourself fat and i'm bigger than you like what am i what does that do to me yeah and it's like important to surround ourselves um, with people yeah. My wife and I are actually Sorry, really I was aware no, of this. Good. I was very interested in where you were going. Yeah. Yeah, good. But no, Rodney, ask your say make your comment. Well, I just I that just like I, I want to hit on that point with an exclamation because like my wife and I are really aware of this because like psychologists have observed as young as four or five year old girls specifically, but I um I would be interested to hear what happens to boys as well. I think it's a more human thing. But definitely for girls, uh, especially with their mom, hearing their mom say, oh, I'm fat or I'm this, oh, I need to get to the gym, it imprinting on that girl and them having that same thought about themselves uh, and it affecting their confidence as young as four or five. And it's, and it's, they're like super small side comments um, that they pick up and and then that's that says nothing of greater culture and swimsuit magazines and you know what's put in front of us in tv and movies all day long for what's acceptable you know to look like uh eroding at a confidence or chipping away confidence potentially um we we talk about it yeah. in my house a lot um i grew up i was mostly raised by women um, my mom, my aunt, my parents were divorced, you know, I saw my dad, but I was definitely more raised, influenced by females. And my family has a serious body image, body image issue, the females in my family. And like you talk about the impact on children, it has 100% gripped my life. I have mm -hmm. significant body image issues and I can project that as dad on my girls often. And my wife constantly is like, you've got to stop because we just don't. So those little things that, that mm -hmm. carry with us at the ages, we don't actually consciously process what's going on. Um, but yeah. Megan, totally. I wanted to ask you um, in that you, you said you were confident and at the same time you didn't love yourself. Like at this point in your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you you went into the confidence part and the insecurity within that, which is like, you know, it multiple things can exist at once. And then when you say you didn't love yourself, like what does that mean for you? What is that? Yeah, just, yeah. Um 
I have to say too, like, I think a lot of my insecurity, like, I am so thankful for my mother. I was just talking about this with, I've talked about this many times actually, just all the times that I'd say, oh, like, I'm so ugly. I remember when I was a little girl looking in the mirror and thinking I looked like a boy. Mm. I actually remember that. And I was probably like five or six. That's crazy to think about now. But um, my mom was always like, naturally fit she never worked out a day in her life like super slim and would eat whatever she wanted like just had a high metabolism great genes and so as like being a kid and being bigger than my not a kid but like even in the high school like being bigger than my mom i always thought like oh my god i'm fat mm. and my mom would always be like you're beautiful you're beautiful like oh you have such a cute butt like i used to get made fun of for having a big butt and now it's cool to have a big butt that actually inspired me to go into sociology and just like how society influences are like what we think it's like wow i was literally tortured because i had a big butt in like junior high and now people are getting surgeries to have big butts big, like right? that's crazy like yeah. and so I'm just about... <laughs> yeah and so I, I'm just really thankful for my mom and it just shows like how instrumental a parent's role is or not even just a specifically a parent, but like an adult figure or like that um, support system, whoever it is. It doesn't have to be a parent. It could be a colleague. It could be a teacher. It could be anything. Just having that strong, stable attachment of people who are reinforcing and giving positive reinforcement because I just think of all I could probably say that my mom had told me I was beautiful and like came back with you know a positive with every negative I gave probably in my whole life like a hundred thousand times like she was always so positive and so having people like that and just my uh, having certain friends in my life you know and deciding who I wanted to be around and who I didn't and you know just I was lucky that in my college days I had to like surrounded myself with strong, independent um, women that just valued themselves. We valued each other. We compliment each other. We genuinely lift each other up. And, you know, like when I went on that trip where they're all calling themselves fat, those are like friends that I grew up with. And the friends that I keep on a daily basis, we don't talk like that. And just being aware that, you know, also as women and as people, when someone says something negative about themselves, we automatically, to lift them up, we say something negative about ourselves. Oh, no, you're not fat. I'm fat. Oh, no, you, you think you're ugly? Well, then, when I'm, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, God, no, like, look at me. Mm. Not you, but no, just being like, you're beautiful. I read that in a book once, and it stuck with me forever. Mm. Forever. I think it was You Are a Badass. That it, it was um, like, we don't have to bring ourselves down in order to lift someone else up. There was, there was this, I think my, my wife was reading like an interior design book or it was like a function. I can't remember if it was interior design or feng shui, but whatever. I think same genre. And it had this chapter about when people come into your house making comments like, oh, but we don't like this area or like we're trying to upgrade this or our house isn't that nice. Um, exact same thing. Like, oh, 
because somebody might come in your house and be like, this is amazing. Like, I can never see myself having a house like this. And then if you make a comment like that, then they're like, oh, like, then what's my house? Or then what am I? Because that comparative engine, ego, mind, I don't know, like, what it is, but it's, like, always running in the background. And just little comments like that, like, chip away. And it's not like they were, you know, we're not trying to purposefully put people down, but it can have that effect. Yeah. Um so so all I at what point I'm curious like tying off on this and then I think we should talk about the album. This space like it sounds obviously I mean you've surrounded your mom incredibly influential and I'm probably going to jump to a conclusion here but it sounds pretty accurate that if it weren't for her you would have never made that leap to pursue singing and go after it. Um, but I'm curious. And, my dad. and your dad. My dad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Without your parents Definitely. in general. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, and my friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a strong support system. Yeah. I do, because when yeah. my parents would tell me to go for it, I'm like, you're my parents. You have to say that. <laughs> so it definitely took, like, some people that were more, like, acquaintances and, you know, friends than just my parents. Because I'm like, yeah, you have to say that you, you like my music or that my writing is good. But you said it earlier. Sometimes it takes us a while to hear the message, even if uh, no matter how true it may be. Um, but you talked about self-care being a chore and now it's not a chore. Like, how did you get, how did you start taking care of yourself and get through the act of it being a chore? It started with yoga. Yoga mm. started the journey for me because it was something I loved doing, that allowed me to be present in the moment. I have a very ADD mind um, and like ADHD mind. It's like kind of go, goes a mile a minute sometimes. And I found that when I did yoga, I was really focusing on my body and what I was doing. And I actually shut off everything else for a specific, a specific amount of time. And I had ended up walking into a class with my best friend, Tanya, who is actually the first friend I ever sang to and told me that I should pursue it which is really funny when we, we always talk about that. We're like, hey, someone was talking through you because you didn't even just say you're good. You said I should pursue it. That's crazy. And anyways, we walked into yoga. It was freezing in Thunder Bay. And we're like, let's go to hot yoga. We'll go to a gentle class, sit and be nice and toasty. And we became addicted. And we went from like hiding in the back to being at the front in the intermediate advanced classes. And then it came a, there came a point where there, I was doing hot yoga anywhere from like seven to five days a week because I loved it. And I realized it wasn't something I got in there to do because I felt like I had, my body had to be a certain way or I wanted to lose weight or I just really loved it. And I kind of felt like I'd found my old dance. It was like a way I could dance too without actually being like hard on my body and just like being in touch with like being flexible and my flexibility and feeling like strong and facing fears. I remember the first time I did a headstand and I was like terrified to do it. And the instructor kind of like 
coached me through it and spotted me. And I was so afraid. I'm like, oh my gosh, all my body weight on my neck. I'm going to snap my damn neck. Like there's no way. And then you do it and you're like, okay. So it was a really empowering practice that I started doing. And then from there, um, I... It would be fair to say that that practice helped you connect to your body. Oh and, yeah. And, and manifest incredibly, incredibly like, because at the end I had this one instructor and she would say, um, thank your body for all that it's done today for getting you here to this class. Um, you know, for all that you've accomplished today. And I would, also just on my own i would thank the universe for all the amazing people and i still do this every day for all the amazing people experiences and opportunities that it's gifted me in the past that it has gifted me in this present day and moment and that it has waiting for me in my future and in the specific day i'll actually list off specific things that i'm really thankful for in that day as well as my body and so just it really made me in tune with everything and i started seeing how things were just coming together and then moving excuse me moving to nashville was huge for me because i'm someone who was always running around for everybody else always feeling like i had to spread myself thin not feeling like i had to i wanted to i have that kind of a nature my parents are very outgoing and giving and 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 i just had seen that and that's just how i was and i would literally leave no time for myself and when I moved to Nashville, there was nobody to run for or jump for, or, you know, I am now finally focused on myself. And, you know, every day um, during quarantine, when that whole thing first started, I had moved in with my, um, in the spare room of like my producer and his wife, um, because it was just, there's a lot, this is at the beginning, you know, like when we didn't really know how it was going to be, I'm not covered under my health insurance. If I'm going to be in the United States, I needed to make sure I was being really careful. And I work here every day. So I mean, like the studios in the, like in the downstairs area. So I remember I just, I, I was cooking and they're like, do you cook like this for yourself every night? And I was like, yeah, I do. Like I, I take at least 45 minutes a night to make myself a nice meal and I sit down at a table and I enjoy it and I don't watch TV and eat and I don't sit on my phone. I actually sit and I'm present and I'm enjoying my food and I'm taking care of myself, you know, and, and it feels good to do. Like it feels good. I like it. And I just notice it's funny because I've always, been so like crazy with like diet culture and now I'm not I eat whatever I want I just am mindful <laughs> like yeah I'll have a, a burger and fries with gravy and whatever like that but it's not from McDonald's you know what I mean like I don't eat fast food and there's nothing wrong with with doing it like we all have moments and I love a good fried chicken sandwich from like Wendy's or, you know, um, I'm human, but it's just about, there's a nutritionist that actually did a thing where they gave somebody like a healthy protein shake. And then they gave them a protein shake that had ice cream and cookies and like the non-healthy shake. And they did it to a a control group and to see what happened to sugar levels. But they told the groups 
the the opposite and then they had a, a separate control group um to see what would happen to um insulin levels and based on how people felt about what they were eating and comparing that to what they were actually eating and there it, it was wild because some of the people that were eating the cookies and ice cream but thought it was healthy their insulin didn't even respond like they didn't even spike they didn't ha have a negative response to it and then some of the people that thought they were eating the, the unhealthy and had the healthy they had a response that was as if they were eating the unhealthy thing. It's mind over matter that's wild. It is. And that's the thing, like even enjoying, you know, a sweet treat, it's like just changing the frequency of it. And actually I was just talking with my friend. She said, you know, cause we were talking about that, like giving thanks for your food and the importance of it. And just the intention that you have when you're eating it and like what you're thinking and how you're viewing it and having like healthy thoughts around it instead of like negative thoughts around it, you know? And <clears throat> she said, you know, Italians and I'm Italian by the way. So, I mean, I get it. They don't just sit around eating their salami and baguettes and, and wine and feeling guilty about it. They just like, it's like a fuel for them and it's a part of their culture and they don't sit around with this negative mindset when they eat it. Like in Italy, you actually, people get a whole pizza to themselves as their meal. They don't share a pizza for the table. You eat a whole pizza yeah, to yourself. You at 10 o'clock at night. They're, yeah, and they eat so late and they're like healthy. And it's just like the mindset and also mind you the fact that there's like way less preservatives and a lot of their stuff, yeah, yeah. Sure. but yeah. definitely, definitely plays a part. Um, I have to, uh... yeah. And so even like just the anxiety of, you know, I want to be around for a really long time and I have, you know, like I've seen people in my life that have been affected by things like cancer and stroke and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, there's a lot of things that I don't have control over. Um, my grandfather ate from a garden every single day of his life, one that he planted, and he had a stroke at 94. Now, he lived a long, beautiful life, but he walked every day. He stretched every day. There are so many things that he did, and I think that's why he lived the long, beautiful life, because he was paying attention to taking care of himself. And so I just realized, like, there's a lot of things that I can't control, so I need to really take ownership of the things that I can, like what I'm putting in my body and how I treat myself. You know, when I go to the gym, like before I would go to the gym and I'd feel like, oh, I have to go to lose weight. Now I go to get my heart pumping and my blood rushing. And, you know, when I come home, I feel good and I'm ready to get my day going. I, I woke up extra early today so I could do my morning pages and, and get my gym in before like getting everything ready to come here, you know? And so it's just like prioritizing and making yourself a priority, not being like, oh, well, I really want to get the extra sleep. Oh, yeah. So I'm just going to skip my morning pages and skip the gym. And, you know, it, it really sets the tone for your day and it makes you feel like a boss. Like, like a and then boss. you don't want to stop. I, um, I just, I mean, agree. All of it. It's so good. And it's so everything we're about. But we have four minutes to talk about. I know, Where did right? Go? <laughs> to, to talk about this was then. So there are a few things. One, yeah. all of the things that you just talked about, how does that go into the creation of this was then? And you're releasing that during COVID. 
So it's at a time where like, how does it impact your creative process and what is this album all about? And uh, we can go maybe a couple minutes long so we can, we can really capture this moment because I'm fascinated. Yeah. I want to hear about all that. So I decided to release the album because these songs have been around for a really long time, like anywhere from two to three years. And I'm still continuing to write. And that's actually where the name of the album came from is that this was then. And because these mm -hmm. songs are based off experiences and things that I've gone through, when I listen to them, they take me back in time over the course of the last two, three years. And I'm in such a different place now. So when people hear them, I want them to know that they're listening to pieces of my past and things that I have gone through in my past. And so just really, I had actually just kind of closed my eyes because they, like, I was talking with a few people and, you know, what do you want to call your album? And I just sat and I closed my eyes and I took a few deep breaths and this was then popped into my head. And I thought, this, that's perfect. You know, it's like this body of work is from everything that I felt and experienced then at those moments in my life. And because my writing is all based on personal experience um, or just not only experience, but like feelings that I experience um, based on certain situations, circumstances, and I'm an empath, so I feel a lot. It's a way for me to, my writing most of the time is a way for me to just make sense of a lot of the things I'm feeling, going through. And so they're really, more than just songs, there's stories, there healing, moments of healing, moments Almost of coping, too. moments of understanding. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to release it. You know, it's like I've been coming down to Nashville and, and working with people before moving here for about two years. And I have written with different people and, and stuff like that, but all those songs on that album were all songs that I wrote when I was, like, they actually all just kind of fell out of me during specific moments where I was feeling really intense about certain things, all with the respect of Part of a Lion. I actually wrote that the very first time that I came and worked in this studio um, with the producer that I'm working with now. And... That came out in one day too, you know, and I believe that oh, my songs are, I don't want to say that, I believe they're gifted to me. And I know that that sounds maybe crazy or, I don't know, I don't want to say like, oh, they're gifted to me, but I just, sometimes I don't even know where these things come from. Like the song, The Joker, I'd seen the Joker movie and I was so angry and so upset by a lot of the things that I had seen because I really do believe that it just uncovered a lot of, and I've said this before, the harsh truths and realities when it comes to mental health and what people deal with when it comes to mental illness and how we treat each other and how we act in society. And I was so angry about it. I went in my room, it was like one in the morning, so I'd gone to a late show with Tanya. Shout out again. What up, She's Tanya? just always there. Tanya. She's the bomb, I love her. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Brand new day with all old She's the best. I'm riding with her till the day I die, for real. That is like the true definition of ride or die is that woman in our friendship. 
Um, but I was so angry and that song fell out of me. I literally just hit play, like record on my phone and I just started singing what I was feeling and what I'd seen in the movie and it just fell out. And I look at it now and it's like, shit, even if I tried, I feel like I couldn't write that. Like it had to have come from somewhere, even just how it rhymes and how it makes sense. A lot of my songs are freestyled. I don't sit down and think what would sound good. I just kind of turn the press record on my phone and get into a moment and sing what I'm feeling. Actually, every song on that album came about like that it was just me singing into my phone stay i actually didn't even write with an instrument i just like rolled over in my bed at like two in the morning and started singing like with tear-filled eyes into my phone and wow. so i really do believe that these songs um, are gifted to me and don't give up on us now don't give up on us now don't give up on us now I just try to be real and honest and vulnerable and I think that's what made me afraid to share them for so long um, that is sense. that it's like reading singing your diary to someone and hoping they like it mm. yeah. it's terrifying what what is when you listen back to them yeah. now how do you do they mm -hmm. put you back in that place like how do you feel when you listen to them now they do, they bring me back to that place, especially when I perform them. I like to, to really try and put myself in the moment so that people can be in it with me, so that I'm not just like performing at them, but I'm in a moment with them. Mm. You know, I'm not just up here for them to watch me sing. I'm up here to show them like, these are the things that I felt. And if you're feeling them too, it's okay. Mm. Like, it's normal. It's like my music and normalize a lot of the things that we all feel and turn them into something that that sounds cool and you know just feels like art and feels beautiful and is that is your, um, do, that's why does writing I love these songs help you process the feelings like does it help you move past it or deal with it yeah to 100 percent um especially with i remember writing never going to be the same and i had just ended a relationship that i didn't want to end and it was actually the same person i wrote electric about i wrote stay about and i wrote never going to be the same about and i love performing them together because i think it's cool to acknowledge that you know someone that once made us feel electric and you know we really want things to stay the same or or to work to keep them and bring them back to being electric. Sometimes it's okay to let go and acknowledge that things aren't going to be the same. No, oh, it's never going to be the same. And that's okay. And actually now when I sing electric, because I like to be real and in the moment, I believe that that was the universe gifting me a love song about my parents. Because when I listen to it, um, it really, like if I really want to be genuine about it, I remember I was recording the vocals for it and I was just not into it because I'm like I'm not into this guy like that anymore like he can kick rocks like I just did not feel all the same things that I did before and so then when I envision my parents it actually makes me happy and feel that electric feeling and we've talked about this before energy is a real thing so 
I think that just being present and, and really feeling into what I felt when I wrote the music, when I perform it, is really important when it comes to captivating people. Because I'm not up there just to hear myself sing and just to, to do the whole song and dance. I'm up there because I want to connect with people and mm. I want to be a voice for people. Mm. Well, thank first, you. Thank you for the... Yeah, the vulnerability um we appreciate you like that was awesome just to hear that side of the story and hear where it comes from um i think like that's what we hope to get in our show is to allow you to express and connect with your audience and our audience in a way that um shows where it all comes from um and it's always fun to start ending an interview when when our guest is um in their most vulnerable state of <laughs> crying as I like we're we're at a point now where we do have to wrap up and uh it, it's sadly not the, the, the best time but we have one final question and before we get there I just want to say thank you for joining us this has been amazing it's amazing to talk thank about these things for us and thank you for sharing and just thank you for being a part of this Rodney asks the last question so I always have to yeah you've shared all this um you're in a space right now like this is your audience talking to your audience now like what what do you want to leave everybody with anything is possible and our mind is a really powerful tool and it's important for us to recognize and acknowledge that and to make sure that whenever we catch ourselves thinking negatively about ourselves, our dreams, what we can achieve, to know that these are limits that we're putting on ourselves. The universe, our potential, uh, everything that lies in this world knows no limits. Um, and if you have a difficult time seeing that, just look at some of the amazing and successful people that we've got to experience in this world. I mean, everyone is a success in their own right. I'm just thinking about like Olympic athletes or you know people that are breaking records that no one thought they could break it's like there are no limits the only limit that we have is our own mind and so just really trust me when i say that anything is possible and the first step in moving towards creating whatever that you envision for yourself is truly telling yourself that you're worthy and that you have all the tools you need to achieve what you want to 